0: Hey friends, today I'm very thrilled to share some exciting news about my latest book, Positional Authority Ain't Leadership, Behavioral Science for Navigating Bullshit, Optimizing Performance, and Avoiding Ask Clownery. It's just been released and it's already soared to number one bestseller status across six categories on Amazon. It's a book that dives into how behavior analysis can revolutionize leadership and it's packed with insights and strategies for navigating complex organizational dynamics. But I know what you're thinking. There are countless leadership books out there, right? What makes this one stand out? Well, it's not just about theories and abstract concepts. Positional Authority Ain't Leadership is about actionable, science-based tactics that address real-world challenges. So if you're looking for a guide that combines behavior analysis and organizational behavior management with practical, down-to-earth advice, Positional Authority Ain't Leadership is the book for you. Welcome to the Thoughts and Rants of a Behavior Scientist Show. Hosted by Wall Street Journal and USA Today, best selling author, Dr. Pauly. Hey, folks, Dr. Pauly here, and thanks for joining me again on my thoughts and rants of a behavior scientist, where I take a look at common issues or phenomena in our personal and professional lives, give you my thoughts, sometimes rant about it, and hopefully provide you with a practical solution or two. Today, I want to talk to you about overcoming internal obstacles. We all deal with these. As a former boxer and professional striking coach for mixed martial arts, I've worked with or have been around thousands of fighters over the past quarter century. During that time, I've experienced and observed an ever-present boogeyman lurking in the gyms, backstage, prior to the fight, and even during the fight. Its name? Fear and Anxiety. And it manifests itself in a variety of self-defeating internal and external behaviors. Fear and anxiety are often recognized by fighters as one of the largest and most difficult challenges to navigate, especially early in their career. In fact, Customato, the original trainer of Mike Tyson, noted, fear is the greatest obstacle to learning in any area, but particularly in boxing. Too much of either can result in a self-fulfilling prophecy as fighters spend too much time in their heads focused on potential undesirable outcomes rather than committing to behaving in ways that will lead to valued outcomes. Generally speaking, anxiety is a constellation of responses to a perceived threat. According to Hacopin and Jeanette, 2008, these responses include behavioral avoidance of the feared situation, affective states involving subjective fear and panic, cognitions or covert behavior of worry and dread, and states of aversive and intense physiological arousal. When these responses are disproportionate to the threat it can significantly affect a fighters ability to function and perform. But fighters are not the only folks to experience fear and anxiety. As I mentioned we do all the time. We've all experienced this boogeyman from time to time and get hooked on thinking about undesirable outcomes rather than focusing on what we should do to achieve desirable ones. For me, beyond fighting, fear and anxiety regularly reared its ugly head when I began public speaking. I clearly recall experiencing massive fear and anxiety the second I found out I would be talking in front of a group of people, even when the event was three months away. I can remember actually taking NyQuil thinking that would help, this is a bad idea because it increases anxiety and then wishing i'd get into some fender bender or something on the way to the venue so i'd have an excuse to gracefully bow out man that damn boogeyman it had me bad concerns about performing well especially in front of a crowd can have a debilitating effect on our performance and outcomes while some stress has been found to actually optimize performance Too much stress has adverse effects. But I do have good news. There are some well researched concepts and approaches for overcoming fear and anxiety. I'm living proof of this now as I speak all over the country with only the slightest bit of anxiety and typically it's just a few minutes before I speak and usually it actually helps me perform better. Many people have told me I wish I was confident enough to speak in front of people. And when they say that, I promptly respond, believe me, if I can do it, you can do it too, because I was a mess. Most people believe the only way to build confidence and reduce anxiety is to practice longer and harder. Though this is in large part true, it is an oversimplified belief and often prohibits folks from fully engaging and using all of the known confidence-building and anxiety-reducing strategies available for application. Besides, Practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. Unfortunately, if the wrong behaviors are pinpointed during practice, the desired outcomes are not likely to be reached. This will only serve to reduce confidence and increase anxiety. Many researchers have found that confidence is one of the best predictors of performance in sports. In other words, the more confident the athlete is, the better he or she is likely to perform. The less confident they are, the less likely they will perform. Thankfully, this phenomenon isn't exclusive to just sports. Confidence in the behavior sciences is referred to as what Dr. Albert Bendura called self-efficacy. And self-efficacy, or one's perception of their ability to accomplish a specific task, has been well-researched and positively correlated with successful performance outcomes. You hear people saying all the time, You must believe in yourself, and they're right as a variety of researchers have found this belief to be negatively correlated with anxiety. In other words, the more you believe, the less likely you will be to experience performance impeding anxiety. But belief isn't magically developed. And it isn't developed by simply telling somebody they must believe. Ultimately, belief in one's ability occurs through mastery experiences, essentially this means somebody consistently experiences positive consequences or successful outcomes as a result of their performance. This performance is typically broken down into components and regularly shaped through verbal persuasion or feedback and vicarious experiences or watching others or themselves using video, maybe in the mirror. In addition to the above traditional source of self-efficacy, Maddox 2012 includes another one that he calls imaginal experiences. This entails visualizing oneself behaving effectively or successfully in a given situation, what we might call covert rehearsal. Mindful processes like recognizing one's own emotional and physiological states and using some sort of visualization techniques have been gaining quite a bit of attention in recent years through acceptance commitment therapy literature. So remember, confidence in your ability to do something or what's known as self-efficacy is a key to reducing fear and anxiety while helping you to perform better under given conditions. And this can be built progressively through feedback, watching both others and yourself, and ultimately producing better outcomes through mastery experiences. Be well, my friends. Be well and thank you for tuning in to the Thoughts and Rants of a Behavior Scientist show.